Riga Conference Podcast, brought to you by Latvian Transatlantic Organization. Hello, everybody from Riga Security Conference. I'm Shota Gvineria from the Baltic Defense College, and I'm here with Alexandra Kucherniska-Zonik from uh, Institute of Central Europe. And we will be talking about the uh, role of China in the uh, European Union area and uh, specifically in the Baltic region. So we will try to unfold a little bit of what uh, China is doing here and why, what are their interests, and what are the tools they're using to achieve their interests. So without further delay, let me ask you a, a first question. You know, uh, from the Baltic perspective, it is obvious that there are two main threat actors that are operating here in the region. And these two threat actors are Russia and China. And these are two very different types of actors that pose different sort of threat and they use different tools for achieving their objectives related to the to increasing their influences in the region so what is your take on that so what are the differences what are the similarities of the footprints that russians and chinese are trying to uh, live here what are the objectives that both of them are trying to achieve in the first place mm -hmm. thank you for, for this interesting question indeed it is russia which is perceived by the baltic states as the most important more significant uh, threat uh, for a long time because of history because of uh, several different questions. But now we have been observing increasing role of China in the region and uh, the Baltic states uh, start to perceive China as, uh, as a threat, as a challenge or risk as well. We have to remember that it is a new situation, a new uh, security situation because the Baltic uh, Baltic states uh, in state institutions start to recognize China as a security risk risk a few years ago when we uh, turn back to um, a few years before can uh, we can uh, mentioned that there was quite a good relation between the Baltic States and China uh, in uh, in terms of transport, transit or economy relation. Even we can say that the Baltic states were open and they were quite, they expressed their uh, willingness to intensify and even deepen uh, their economy relation with China. But indeed, now the situation is quite different. But as I said before, it is Russia, which is the most important, the most important issue. Um, but what is, I would say, uh, what is most uh, significant is the cooperation, cooperation between uh, China and uh, Russia. Okay. So uh, you think that Russia and China might have some common interests in the region and they can cooperate in some sort of cooperation uh, initiatives for achieving their overarching objectives together? Mm -hmm. In some, some case, yes. Uh, first of all, it is not a strategic partnership between China and Russia. However, we can find some uh, similar perspective, similar interest between Russia and uh, China. First, it is a military field, and we, uh, we we know that Russia and China cooperate and even uh, took part in some uh, military activities in the Baltic Sea region so far. So I would say that military cooperation 
sectoral cooperation would be very, uh, very dangerous for, for the Baltics region in general. Um, but it is not my intention to express that it would be long-term cooperation, but we don't know how the situation could uh, look like in the future. Do you already see any signs of military cooperation between China and Russia in the region? As I said, uh, there was some uh, military exercise in which took part uh, groups from Russia and, and China together. But it is not very frequent. However, we have to keep mind on that. that. Yeah, Alexandra, a few minutes ago you mentioned that the perception in the Baltic region about China has shifted at some point and before the region was more open to the cooperation opportunities, but then uh, the countries of the region started to increasingly see China as a threat. Can you tell me when uh, exactly this shift happened and why? What made the, the Baltic states and the countries of the region in a maybe more wider sense, including Poland, realize that actually cooperation with China might include some short-term financial benefits, but it definitely has hidden mines and slow reaction bombs in it, and it is more of a threat than a cooperation opportunity. Mm -hmm. What was the trigger and what was the indication that this kind of cooperation can lead us to an elevated threat in the longer run? Uh, yet answering this question, we should move back to uh, 2012 when initiative 16 plus one initiative uh, was launched. It is initiative of cooperation between China and Central and Eastern Europe and the Baltic states as well as Visegrad countries and uh, some of uh, Balkan states take part. And uh, the aim of this cooperation is to intensify, in, from, from perspective of Central and Eastern European states, uh, the aim is to increase their uh, export to China. They wanted to sell their goods, to, to intensify export, to deepen transport or transit from China. Uh, and of course, from perspective of China, it was to, uh, to open European market to Chinese goods. Nine uh, years after, it turned out that the initiative is not exactly uh, effective because particularly the Visegrad countries, Poland, Slovakia, uh, Czech Republic expressed that, expressed their dissatisfaction because it turned out that their exports haven't increased significantly and there, there are some, some threats as well. This, the perspective of the Baltic states is slightly different because at the beginning they, they didn't, they, they didn't, uh, they didn't real, <clears throat> no, so in the beginning it was, it sounded like a cooperation opportunity that was bringing benefits to everybody, then it turned into a threat. Yeah, at yeah, some point, right? yeah, but the, the, uh, the expectation, the expectation was, uh, wasn't, uh, weren't so high that, for example, in the Visegrad countries. So they are quite open and free to cooperate with the China. But since 2018 and 19, security institutions start to reveal that there are uh, uh, Chinese espionage in, in the Baltic states. There, uh, there uh, are, as I said, military cooperation between uh, Russia and China. Uh, there is some question connected with uh, Chinese uh, values and norms, or even, or even controversial uh, cooperation between insti- uh, um, universities, for example, between Estonian uh, universities and, and uh, in China. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, very good. So uh, this is the focus of more uh, Central and Eastern Europe. But let's zoom out a little bit and look at the entire European Union. So do you see any signs of unified policy on China within the European Union? Or there are still too many divisions within and uh, the shift in perceptions as well as expectations in different countries of the European Union is still quite different. Mm -hmm. And uh, and it's uh, not uh, clear at this point where European Union's policy on China might lead. It's still brewing, it's taking shape, and uh, what do you make out of it? First of all, is the experience from Central and Eastern Europe valuable for the entire European Union while developing the policies on China? And the second, what do you see as the prospects of coming up with the unified policy on China on behalf of the European Union? It's a good question, very complex. Because on the one hand, there are some several fields of cooperation between uh, European Union and China. Uh, We've got Global governance, similar perspective towards Iran and North Korea's uh, nuclear policy, uh, global climate change, and so on. There's, of course, economic cooperation between because uh, European Union and China are each other's the largest economic uh, trade market. But it is not. We have to remember that it is not once more um, strategic partnership, but rather rivalry. China has got several interests in South Africa, for example, in uh, Latin America, where European Union wants to uh, intensify its uh, its influence as well. Taking account fields of uh, where the, the where, where China and European Union are uh, divided, we can mention human rights and democracy, but uh, they are an infrastructure project, a Belt and Road Initiative, or several infrastructure projects. And of course, Chinese technology, which is also uh, which is also recognized as threat to some uh, extent. Very good. Yeah, so I think this leads us perfectly to the next question I wanted to ask about uh, overall influences, foreign malign influences of China in Europe or in the European Union countries. And one of the key tools that uh, China is using for increasing its influences is uh, information ecosystem. And uh, we're sitting with the face masks here and having this conversation, so I guess we cannot avoid the topic of COVID as well. And how did this pandemic affect information ecosystem in general, and in particular, the possibilities of the authoritarian regimes such as China to influence some decision-making processes or public opinion within the European Union countries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would, I would start from, from my own experience. I would, that we are generally accustomed to talking about influence in context of Russia. I mean, information influence in context of Russia. To some extent, we can compare information policy between, I mean, information policy of Russia and China, especially when we are talking about the aim. I would say that the general aim is the same or very similar to increase 
positive image of, of the country or to influence in several different ways to um, share values, uh, norms of, of uh, Chinese authority and to, to, to intensify, intensify relation between uh, China and uh, different uh, actors. But uh, on the other hand, I would say that Chinese is quite different. Chinese information policy is different from Russia because so far Russia hasn't used so many fake news, disinformation, misinformation than Russia used to do. However, pandemic, in my opinion, has changed everything. Russia intensifies, has intensified its uh, policy information policy uh, and we can every every uh, everyone probably knows uh, mask chinese mask diplomacy when uh, china has used uh, mask as a, a visual tool for uh, increasing its uh, positive image in uh, europe or in the world thank you for that um, and probably one of the most uh, important things when it comes to Chinese influence would still be its uh, investments in uh, strategic assets and uh, critical infrastructure. So that's the main outline of the Russian uh, Chinese threat uh, uh, if we compare it with Russia, because Russia is using always more coercion and more hard uh, security tools to achieve the objectives, but Chinese are coming with uh, the, the different tools. They have more money. They can invest in some uh, strategic assets in Europe, and then they can use the strategic assets as the policy tools and tools for pressure on different governments and different uh, vulnerable groups within the country. So well, how, how do you see this threat uh, changing or evolving, and what do, how do you see the perception of the threat from the sides of the governments and the societies mm -hmm. uh, the developing in this uh, unusual times where we, where we live now? Once more, it's a very big uh, question. In my opinion, the most the risky situation uh, is that uh, we don't know the consequences of this influence because on the one hand, societies and to some extent uh, authorities, state authorities are interested in uh, Chinese investment, Chinese uh, loans, infrastructure projects. But on the other hand, we don't know what uh, what is the long-term effect of this Chinese influence. And I would say it is uh, it is the most important and even global issue. Uh, there was a discussion uh, uh, discussion in context of. Helsinki-Tallinn tunnel because um, uh, it was Chinese company, uh, company which uh, was to build this project, but but after the hot discussion, the, the project uh, was cancelled. And I think that it is very difficult problem how to deal with uh, Russia uh, investment because uh, and it is the problem of uh, whole uh, European Union because on the one hand it is uh, members of European Union uh, want to intensify this cooperation economic cooperation but there is there is also democratic there are democratic values on the other hand and it is very difficult to separate economy from politics from uh, democracy and it yeah it is a great great problem. Yeah. Uh, for us, for, for all European Union. 
So, yeah, this is exactly the problem that the authoritarian regimes are increasingly able to find uh, more uh, non-military and non-coercive tools, maybe non-kinetic tools, to find their influences and increase their influences in the region without being uh, noticed as doing uh, something visible, such as the military yeah. pressure, for example. And this, so, of course, in the first place concerns China more than Russia, because Russia's opportunities of influencing through non-military means is quite limited. Yeah, obviously. Is that a fair uh, sum up of our conversation? You think? Yeah, I, I would say it's perfectly. Uh, mean mean what, what I, uh, what I uh, also uh, would like to say. Okay, very good. Thank you for your ah, time, great. Alexandra. And, uh, <laughs> oh, uh, thank uh, you. Thank you very much for your thoughtful comment. Oh, thank you very much.